0: We thank you that the way is wide open to you this morning. We thank you for that, Lord. We thank you for the power of your presence. Thank you for what you've already been doing in our time together. And God, I ask that as we open up the Bible, as we continue our time together, Holy Spirit, that you would continue to do what only you can do. Lord, I pray hunger in all of our hearts right now. No matter where we're coming from.
1: No matter how hungry
0: we are, a lot or a little, none, whatever, I pray that you give us a gift of hunger because when we're hungry, you promise to fill us. I pray that we would all get more than we're ready for this morning. I pray we get more than we came for, more than we're asking for. You have permission, Lord, to come and do more than we even want you to do. In the beautiful, powerful name of Jesus, everybody said amen. Amen, amen. Everybody doing good this morning. Come on. That's awesome. Why don't you give somebody a hug as you sit down? A big one, a nice big hug, especially if you don't know him, just give him a big hug. Got a friend who says there's no strangers, just family, oh man, whew, thank you Jesus. Wow, even with an interruption for a chord, that was awesome. Man, welcome to church this morning. My name's Andrew Zanaco, the lead pastor here. And if you have a Bible, go ahead and pull it out. If you don't have a Bible and you would like one, uh, we would love to give one to you. So go ahead and just raise your hand. It's not disruptive or anything. Raise your hand and we'll have somebody come around and bring a Bible to you. If you uh, are younger and you want some help taking some notes, we've got some stuff to help you out with that too. So raise your hand if you need anything, a uh, pen, notes, Bible, whatever, feel free to get what you need. Just keep your hand up there coming. Um, Oh, yeah, we're here to do church. I forgot what we were talking about there for a second. Man, sometimes just get distracted by Jesus. All right, if you need anything, keep your hand up. We are doing a series right now called What's the Big Deal About Jesus? So if you got notes, go ahead and bring those out, phone, pen, paper, whatever. we got Bibles and notes. Everybody good? Awesome. Got your Bibles open. That's good. Have you ever had something that was just better than you thought it was going to be? Maybe you bought something that you thought, you, you, maybe you didn't think it was going to be that good, but it was pretty good, and you're like, man, this is way better than I thought. Or maybe you, th- you thought something was going to be good, but it was awesome, and you're like, man, it's just even better than I thought. Or maybe you had really high expectations and it still over-delivered. Like, get, when something happens that's better than you think it's going to be, it's like the greatest feeling in the world. No matter what you buy, if it's better than you thought it was going to be, you feel like you got a good deal, no matter how much that thing costs. Like, this is how I feel about Chipotle every time I leave. I know exactly what I'm getting into into Chipotle. It's going to be like less than $10. bucks. i am going to get a chicken bowl, brown rice, black beans, pico, medium. Come on, somebody. Medium, some corn, some cheese, some lettuce, but not the guac because they make me pay for it. At Qdoba, they give you the queso for free. So we got to work on that. But I know it's going to be about under $10. bucks. i am probably going to get some chips, a tortilla on the side, and it's going to be good. I'm going to put some Chipotle sauce all up on it. And I'm going to keep the lid on and shake it. Anybody else know that professionally? Come on. I'm preaching, guys. Come on. And it's going to be good. But every time, I'm like, man, that was better than I thought it was going to be. That's why I love going to Chipotle. It's what keeps me coming back. And uh, speaking of Chipotle, God's good. (laughs) See, the goodness of God and Chipotle have a lot in common. They're both better than you think. God is good. God is good. Yeah, come on. Now, somebody grew up in church. There we go. God is good. had a grandma that went to church, that's for sure. God is good. He is good, and his goodness is better than you think it is. And that's good news because we could all use some of that right now. We could all use a little bit of the goodness of God to be better than we think. Amen. Like I said, we're doing a series right now called, What's the Big Deal About Jesus? And we're trying to engage this question. When it comes to your life, what's the big deal about Jesus? If you've ever asked this question for yourself or had somebody ask you before, I think a lot of the times the conversation circles around uh, where we go when we die. And uh, the big deal about Jesus is he gives you a new destination when you die. And this much is true. And that's a huge deal, that Jesus is the only one who can forgive you of your sins and make heaven your destination when you die. But what if salvation isn't just a destination for when you die? What if it's an invitation into life? And that's what we're going after together. What, what's the big deal about Jesus when it comes to your life, day in, mundane, everyday life? What's the big deal about Jesus? We have a moment where we give our lives to Jesus, maybe we get saved, then we got eternity, but the whole thing in between is kind of where we're all at right now. And so what's the big deal about Jesus? There's kind of two main thoughts that we're building off of in this series. So if you're new, we're going to catch you up completely right now in like two minutes or less. Number one, Jesus is a big deal because of who he is. Sounds silly, but it's true. Jesus is a big deal because of who he is. He is God. He's not a mythical character. He's not just a religious leader. He wasn't just a good teacher. Historically, emphatically affirms that Jesus was a real guy. He existed, lived a real life. But even that, so what? I mean, billions of people have existed and exist today. But what's the big deal about Jesus? Well, the thing about Jesus is that he is God incarnate. Jesus is a big deal because of who he is. He is the only one who could be God in flesh and bone to live life on this planet, to live the perfect life you can't live. And he dies the death that you owe for your sins to pay for it, and he raises from the dead to give you life. Jesus is a big deal because of who he is. Number two... Jesus is a big deal because when you know who Jesus is, you learn who you are. When you know who Jesus is, you learn who you are. Jesus is significant not only in that he is defined by who he is, but he is significant in that when you know who he is, you learn who you are. This is the big deal about Jesus. And we've kind of been building off of these. And as we continue our series this morning, and I want to title this message. You can write this at the top of your notes He's Better Than You Think. He's Better Than You Think. He's got to preach to somebody already. I know it is. He's Better Than You Think. God is Good. All the time. God is Good. Mm. No matter where God is on your good scale this morning. No matter what you think about God, you may think he's amazing. You may not be so sure that he's so good. You look around and you have some questions, and that's really fair. It's really fair to show up and have some questions. I've got questions. We've all got questions. No matter where God fits on your good scale, the truth is, no matter matter how high or low you may have him, he is indeed better than you think he is. He is better than you think he is. So we are going to be in Genesis chapter 3 this morning. So if you are new to the Bible, it's going to be easy to find. It's right at the beginning. It's on page 3 in my Bible, Genesis chapter 3. So go ahead and open up to Genesis chapter 3 this morning. We're going to read a few verses here as we get started. And um, we're going to pick up a story. It's only the third chapter of the Bible, but a lot has happened in chapters 1 and 2. And what has happened, you've probably heard before, um, even if you're not a Christian, you probably know this is what Christians would say about what's happened in the Bible so far. In Genesis 1 and 2, God is in the beginning, like we read in Colossians 1. He is in the beginning. All things come from Him, and He decides, I'm going to create. So He creates the universe. He speaks, and out of His mouth come billions of perfect galaxies and all sorts of creation, everything that we see, it he, he just comes out of his mouth. I mean, last or early this morning I was up, I was looking, the moon was huge. Anybody see the full moon this morning? Sometimes I look up at the sky and I'm just like, God, I cannot believe that they came out of your mouth. That is crazy. He is big. He big. So that's what happens in Genesis 1 and 2. God creates the galaxies, he creates the universe, he creates the world, and everything that we see and He caps it off with his Mona Lisa. Before the Mona Lisa was real, he caps it off with his Mona Lisa human beings. And he puts human beings in this garden called the Garden of Eden where he wants to live in perfect relationship with them. There's a single rule that he has given them, and we pick up the story here in Genesis chapter 3. Is everybody caught up on where we are in Genesis 3? Hopefully you're there. Read with me. We're going to read 10 verses. Can you do that? That might be the most you've read in your life, and that's okay. do what God says not to do you will not surely die for God knows that when you eat of it your eyes will be open and you will be like God knowing good and evil so there's one tree in the garden called the knowledge of good and evil and that's the one they're not supposed to eat from and that's the one the devil here is trying to get them to eat from isn't that just like the devil if somebody's trying to get you to do what you know you shouldn't do it's the devil they're not but they might come on you we're okay So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate. Anybody ever done what you're not supposed to do? Okay, cool. So we're all right there. Great. Verses 1 through 10, so all creation has happened. Adam and Eve are living peacefully in the garden with God. The devil shows up, tries to get them to do what they know they shouldn't do, and they do it. So they run, they hide, and, and, and here comes God, and they have this interaction. And um, I think maybe you've probably heard uh, the, the Adam and Eve story before. And really, I think pretty much from this point on, you know, this is when sin enters the world. It's a significant moment. For, for all of us, is when sin enters the world. And I think if we're honest, if, if we tried to summarize the rest of the Bible and the rest of history up into this point, we would say yes, because of these ten verses, we all know that basically the rest of the story is that the rest of the Bible and the rest of history is this outworking of God trying to keep his anger back just enough so that hopefully maybe we'll get to heaven so he won't be so mad at us because we're so bad, and he's trying not to kill us, and that's what the Bible's all about. That's just who God is. We sin, he's really mad about it, but hopefully there's a little bit of hope that we can make it through this thing and get to heaven, and that's where everything's gonna be okay. I think that that's how a lot of us would summarize the Bible, and and maybe some of you think it sounds silly. Maybe some of you are like, yeah, so what else do we think we're done early? I think that from this story, a lot of us, maybe from church background, from just looking around at life, from uh, various different things, we assume things about God from this story going forward because of what we've heard. There's maybe some things that you've even experienced, and I just don't think that it's correct, and that's why I want to talk about these 10 verses this morning, because I think that we walk away from these 10 verses, from this scenario of people in sin and then God's response. And I think we misunderstand it, and we we look at how man sinned and God responded, and we walk away believing um, believing some things about God that then therefore affects the way that we live. But I think that these root things are wrong, because the Bible says something different than I think what we believe. We believe He is just angry, trying not to kill us, but I wonder if maybe He's better than we think. I wonder if maybe if we just go back to the root situation, we may find... As some of the stuff we believe in, we believe, and then therefore some of the ways that we behave because of what we believe have been founded on something maybe not correct the whole time. Maybe God is good. And maybe he's better than we think. So if you got notes, like I said, I want you to have them out. I'm gonna go through three different things in this story that talk about the goodness of God. Does anybody wanna hear about the goodness of God this morning? Number one, he is so good that he covers you. God is so good that he covers you. Verse 7, if you look in in chapter 3, verse I think 6 it is, when they decide to eat from the fruit, so they sin, verse 7 says, then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. Here in verse 7, Adam and Eve Do exactly what we tend to do whenever we sin or whenever we have a weakness in our life. Whenever there's an area of brokenness that we have, Adam and Eve do exactly what we do. They go and try to cover it up. It's natural. They're like, oh my gosh, I'm naked. I should go cover up. It's a fair response. So they go and they cover it up. I think that maybe there was Adam and Eve and Elsa in the garden in the beginning. She's all like, don't, don't, don't let anybody see that. Conceal it. Don't feel it. Don't let it show. Everybody's going to see. You got to go get yourself some fig leaves, girl. And so she runs off and she sews up some fig leaves. And I think Elsa's been around a long time because I've heard her sing that song in my life way before Frozen came out. Anybody else? You got to go cover that thing up. Run. Go by yourself up on a mountain somewhere and be happy. Side note, it's not happy up there by yourself. Should we just change subjects and talk about it? No, I'm kidding. Our sin exposes our weaknesses. It exposes us. It makes us vulnerable, and we go and we try to cover it up. We try to sew together some fig leaves. Now, you're probably thinking, I don't even know what a fig tree looks like. The closest thing I know to a fig is a fig newton, which I tried to like those, but they're not that good. Not as good as Chipotle, Right? We've all got these, these fig leaves. You try to sow fig leaves, and you might be wondering, I don't have any fig leaves in, in my life, but maybe you do. Maybe you've got some fig leaves. Uh, maybe it's like that extra bonus at the end of the year that just kind of covers up how things are going at home. It's that fig leaf. I mean, I got this weak area, but I can take this, and I can cover it up. Maybe it's that smile that you just defend with everything in you so it never comes off your face so that people only see what's on the outside because if they really saw what was on the inside, they'd ask questions, and I don't want to talk about it. I'm too weak. I need to cover it up. I've got the fig leaf of this smile, of this persona. Maybe it's, uh, maybe it's the, the extra makeup. It's the pair of shoes. It's the thing that you've got to buy. It's the thing that you've got to have. It's the person you've got to know to just cover up who you really are. We've got, we got some fig leaves in our lives. We've got some, some fig leaves, and we've all got them. We've all got them. And we just need to be honest and recognize that sometimes when I swipe my credit card, it's a fig leaf. I'm trying to cover up what I can't take care of myself, make myself feel a little bit better. I'm going to go find me something that can cover me up. we got some fig leaves in our lives. It's the stuff that everything in you screams to grab, to cover yourself. Maybe it wasn't one of the things I listed, but you know that thing, it's always yelling at you. Just come to me. I got you. I got you. And you always go and you grab it, and it never fulfills the promise you got a fig leaf in your life or two. You've got to cover yourself up because you're naked and you're exposed. This is our response to sin, but really what's God's response to sin is what I want to talk about this morning. Maybe he's so good that he covers you. When you're trying to cover yourself, what if God covers you? What if you're trying to cover yourself with all your fig leaves, but God's trying to cover you? There's something fascinating here. It says that they saw that they were naked. Their sin didn't make them naked. It just opened their eyes to the fact that they were naked. They just didn't notice it before. You see, there's a difference between being naked and being exposed, and you know this. Because you probably didn't shower in your clothes this morning, but you came to church in your clothes. You, you don't have a problem being naked, but being exposed is a whole other issue. <laughs> there's a difference between being naked and And being exposed. And your sin. You need to know this. That your sin doesn't make you spiritually naked. It makes you spiritually exposed. I want you to write that down. Your sin doesn't make you spiritually naked. It makes you spiritually exposed. The problem. With Adam and Eve. Wasn't that they were naked. It was that they became exposed. And the problem for you. Isn't. About being naked. About. Not being covered. The problem is that. Your fig leaves can't take care of where your exposure. They can't cover you up enough. It's why the fig leaf, you always got to go back. You always need more. You always need the next one. The high is never enough. The paycheck's never enough. It's just never enough. The relationship, the promotion, it's just never enough. But God isn't scared of your nakedness. God isn't scared of your weakness. And you can't uncover anything that's going to shock him. You need to know that this morning. It's not even worth hiding it. It's not going to scare him anyways. You can't scare him. You can't scare him and uncover something that's going to freak God out and be like, oh, wow, that's bad. He knows. He knows. He knew Adam and Eve were naked the whole time. He made them. He was never worried about them being naked. He just never wanted them to feel exposed. And your sin takes you out of the covering of God and exposes you. That's why it feels bad. It's not because God's shaming you and guilting you. It's because you stepped out from under the covering that a good God was trying to give you the whole time. The thing about God covering us is that not only does he not run and shame us, but he actually covers you where you're naked. Like nothing else can. Too often we expect God to be that raging, angry dad who kicks the door down right after our sin and points the finger and yells and screams, and I'm going to get you. We're going to shame you. We're going to tell everybody about it, and you need to sit in the corner until you get your act together. I'm going to tell everybody. You got to we, we, we see that shame thing. You felt the shame. You felt the shame. You know the shame. You expect God to bust in like that. But what if God is better than you think? I want you to look at um, verse, Genesis 3, verse 21. You expect God to rush in and blast Adam and Eve. I made a perfect place for you, and here you go, screwing it up. We've all heard that before. But here comes God in Genesis three twenty-one, And the Lord God made for Adam and for his wife garments of skin and clothed them. Romans six twenty-three says that the wages of sin is death. That the payment for sin is death. And I think we mistake that, that God is, is thirsty for our blood. But what we need to know is that from the beginning, from Genesis three twenty one, God has been making the sacrifice for you. Where did he get the skins from? Some, something had to die. They immediately owed blood for their sin. But instead of making them pay for it, God goes and takes care of it himself and says, let me cover you. Let me cover you. Don't run to your fig leaves. Let me cover you. The first bloodshed as a sacrifice for your sin was not made by man, but made by God for man. From the beginning, he's better than you think. He's better than you think. His desire has never been that your death be the payment for your sin. You need to know that. God's desire has never been that your death pay for your sin. If it was, this verse would make no sense. He's better than you think. He's so good that he covers you. He's so good that he covers you. He's not trying to kill, he's not trying to not kill you, he's trying to cover you. That's God's mission for you, is to cover you. He is so good that he covers you. Number two, God is so good that he pursues you. God is so good that he pursues you. I think sometimes, like I've been saying, we see God as angry and distant. we got to coerce him. If we want to be close to him, we've got to prove ourselves, make ourselves right, just to be close to God. But I think that maybe the Bible tells us something really different in this story. I want to read verses 8 through 10. You guys still got your Bibles? It's going to be on the TV if you don't. It's okay. Verses 8 through 10. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day of the day and the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden but the Lord God called to the man and said to him where are you and he said I heard the sound of you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself after Adam and Eve sow their fig, their fig leaves they run and they hide because oh no here comes dad here comes God they hear him walking in the garden so they go and they run and they hide now, I know you've never done that but think we all know what that feels like, right? They sin, they sow their fig leaves, and they run, and they hide. We've said this before, but um, there's this theology running around that God is like so holy and stuff that he can't be around sin, and since we're sinners, he can't be around us. But apparently, God never got that memo. Because the first thing God does after man sins is he shows up to a garden full of sinners. That's against the rules, right? But this is our God. He must not be scared of your sin. He must not be intimidated by your sin. He pursues you in your sin. He doesn't chase you down to haunt you or beat you. He pursues you. Where are you? Where are you? Where did you run and hide? God shows up. God shows up right where he shouldn't be to be with his friends. He comes to Adam. He he asks this question, where are you? God throws out, where are you? And And Adam immediately goes into, like, hyper excuse mode, and he misses the whole point, and he starts talking about himself. In this one little sentence, he says five things about himself. I, 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 I was scared. I was naked. I hid myself. I, 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 I. God says, "Where are you? And Adam starts talking about himself. He goes into excuse mode. But I want you to know something, that when God shows up and asks you a question, he's usually trying to make a point. He didn't really need the answer all that bad. God's trying to make a point in this question. God wasn't trying to see where Adam was. He wanted Adam to see where God was. God's question wasn't, Adam, where are you? I don't know where you are. He says, Adam, where are you? Because I'm here too. He wanted Adam to not answer with where Adam was. He wanted to see, he wanted Adam to see where God was. His question, saying, Adam, you can sin, you can hide, and you can run, but I'm right here. But I'm right here. God wasn't supposed to be there pursuing in his goodness, he was supposed to be fuming in heaven with wrath. Right? He's supposed to be angry. He's supposed to be distant. He's supposed to come and get him. But Adam, I'm right here, closing the gap that you're creating. I'm stepping in, and I'm right here. God wasn't supposed to be there. Adam's response to the question shouldn't have been, well, I, I, I. His response should have been, what are you doing here? Where are you? The angels must not have let you know this isn't your neighborhood anymore. But it doesn't matter because he's after Adam, and he's right here. And you need to know that in your sin, God pursues you. This is who God is. He's calling to you. He's asking for you, and he's not trying to say, where are you? Tell me so that I can make you feel terrible about all your bad decisions. His question, where are you, is not a shame question. He's trying to make you see where he is because he's right there, too. He is right there with you. Our reaction to sin is to run from God, but God's reaction to our sin is to run to us. that That was better than you. You're letting that hit you. Your reaction to sin is to run from God. God's reaction to your sin is to run to you. This needs to change the way that we think. He's looking for you. He's calling to you. And He's so good that He pursues you. He pursues. Running away gets tired. Just stop. Let him come to you. God's good. God's good. He's so good that he pursues you. Number three, God is so good that he loves you. He loves you. Sorry if you wanted to come and not get here. Oh, Jesus loves you. Well, he does. God loves you. He is so good that he loves you. Somebody shot me down on the kids. He loves you. He loves you. God is so good that he loves you. In verse 8, it says something. I know we've read it, but I want to read it one more time. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God, catch this, among the trees of the garden. Among the trees. There's something about these trees. What, what, What is it about these trees? What's the significance of the trees? Why do they run and hide in the trees? And I, I just wonder if maybe they didn't run to the trees because they just provided good cover. Maybe there was something more to the trees. See, Adam and Eve, they had one rule. God said, eat from every tree. just this not this one. Just not this one tree. So eat from all the trees. Get your fill. You're free. Just don't eat from the one because that, that one's going to be painful for you. I don't want you to have... That one. So when they eat from the one, they shouldn't do. When they broke the one rule that they had, they ate of the fruit that they shouldn't eat. What do they do? They go and run and hide among all the stuff that they can't eat. This one clicks with me a lot because this is my tendency and my sin. When I go eat of a fruit I shouldn't eat from, I try to overcompensate by running to all the good fruit and stuffing myself. I'm not running just to hide. I'm running to overcompensate. Well, maybe if God shows up, he's going to see how good I'm doing. Maybe he'll forget about the one thing. Maybe I can cover up that one thing. Maybe I can undo that one thing with all my good stuff. I'm going to try to outdo my bad by doing a whole lot of good. It's a hamster wheel. And this is our self-righteousness. This is our religion. This is our things that we just do to make ourselves feel good, to put a face on for other people. This is what the trees are in our life. It's the fruit that you're stuffing yourself on to keep you, to overcompensate for the bad thing that you did. We've all got trees in our life. The thing about these trees is that God hates those trees. God made those trees. God told me to eat from those trees. But it gets to the point where when I'm stuffing myself to overcompensate, God hates those trees. This is how I know that God hates those trees, because those trees are keeping me from running to Him. God hates those things in your life that you're running for to make you feel good about your religious acts or your good acts, because you're not running to Him. The fig leaves aren't going to work, hiding's not going to work, and stuffing yourself with the good stuff's not going to work. God knows I am the only way, I am the only truth, I am the only life. And now these things that were supposed to be beneficial for you, you're running to instead of running to me. God hates those trees. God hates those trees. And I know that he hates the trees. Because there's a verse called uh, a verse in John, verse 3, chapter 3, verse 16. Jesus says, God so loved the world that he gave his only son. God is so good that he loved the world. And he gave his only son. And when God incarnate came, on the earth when God wanted to show how he was going to get to the ones that he loved what did he do he went he lived a perfect life he didn't just overstuff him overstuff his life with good stuff he walked with God and then what did he do he went and he cut down your tree he built a cross out of it and he bled all over it so that every time you try to hide behind a tree again you see the blood and you know this isn't the way This isn't the truth. This isn't the life. The one who shed the blood for me is the way, the truth, and the life. I've got to stop feeding myself on this fruit and go to God. He is trying to cover me. He's trying to pursue me. He loves me. Why am I hiding behind the fig leaves? Why am I hiding behind the trees? Why am I living my life, stuffing myself with everything that can't satisfy? It's supposed to be working. But the blood, you see the blood. He bled all over the trees to remind you, just come to me because he's so good. He is so good. And even in your sin, He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. God is so good. So what's the big deal about Jesus? I'm talking about God and what about Jesus? i all work in how, how we do this. So what's the big deal about Jesus? Jesus is a big deal because of who he is, and he is God. That means Jesus is good. Jesus is good. He is so good, and he is better than you think. That's the big deal about Jesus, that he is better than you think. And when you can see the world through this lens that that Jesus is good, then you don't have to rise and fall based on the results of an election. You don't have to rise and fall on the results of a medical test or the results of a conversation with somebody in your life, the results of a circumstances, of of, of a situation. You don't have to rise and fall when your fixed point is Jesus and he is good. He provides a fixed point in the waves of life. This is the cornerstone, really, of all theology that Jesus is good. He is good. He is good. When you know he's good, you don't have to fight him. When he's leading you somewhere that you're not so sure about. When you know that he's good, you can trust him. When he says something that goes against your experience, your feelings, your preferences. When you know that he's good, you can trust Jesus. When the goodness of God is your fixed point, you can make it through any situation. No matter how big the waves are. I had a friend say it this way. She said, um, the, "The goodness our, our life can kind of be like a, a button-up shirt. And uh, everybody knows it's not hard to put one in the wrong hole and then it throws everything else off and you look like a mess. Kind of like life, right? All of a sudden you make one little decision wrong and something's in the wrong hole and then everything else gets thrown off and you walk into a party and your shirt's halfway tucked in and here we go. Life is like a a button-up shirt and uh, the goodness of God is like the top button. If you will just button the top button first, everything else has something to line up with. You got to keep your top button buttoned some of us, even Christians, we're getting so tripped out by situations, circumstances, results, things in life, and it's because our top button's not buttoned. We're waiting to button them up from the bottom up. It doesn't work. It doesn't work that way. Well, when my life lines up with the fact that God's good because everything's going the way I want it to go for free on my time, then God's good. Anybody else, that's me. I had that realization like two weeks ago. I was like, God, I want my life to go on my time right away, easy, and for free but we gotta button up the goodness of God first. And everything else has something to line up with. Everything else has something to line up with. You gotta have your top button buttoned. Jesus is a big deal because of who he is. He is good. He is good. And Jesus is a big deal because when you know who he is, you learn who you are. When you know that he is good, you learn that you're covered. When you know that he's good, you learn That you are pursued. And when you know that he is good, you learn that you're loved. That's who you are. That's who you are. And when you learn that you're covered, you can go cover up other people. When you learn that you're not alone, that you're pursued, you can go find other people. When you learn that you're loved, you have something to give away that you never had to give away before. You've got love to give away. To a world that's desperate, hungry for some love. What's the big deal about Jesus? I think maybe we're just scratching the surface. Maybe we're just scratching the surface, and I don't know, maybe one of the best ways to sum it up is that he's just better than you think. That's the big deal. It's the big deal about Jesus. I want to invite you to stand this morning as we wrap up. To touch somebody and say, God's good. Now look back at him and say, I know, he's better than I think. <laughs> we like to close our time together worshiping and just continuing to let God do because we want to be people who don't just hear the word and go to a service, but we want to respond to it. I believe that God might just be doing something in your life this morning you need to respond to and I don't know what the response is exactly you got maybe some ideas but you just need to do what what God's leading you to do there's a nudge happening in your life right now it's not a feeling it's not emotions it's God and he's trying to lead you into life no matter how big or small that response feels like I just encourage you to do it because you can trust him because he's good you may feel embarrassed about it you may feel scared you may feel misunderstood but he's good he's good And every step that he's leading you to take is a step to cover you. Every step that he's leading you to take is a step back towards him. Every step that he leads you to take is a step into the depths of his love. Maybe God's better than we thought this whole time. Maybe he really is better than we think. So as we sing this song, it's called Good, Good Father. It's a celebration of this simple message. God's good. You may have some fig leaves in your lives this morning that you need to give over to God. And it's gonna be a little scary because that's covering up where you're naked, right? But if you'll trust him, you'll find that his covering keeps you from being exposed. You have some fig leaves you need to get rid of. It's just, we, the church word for it, the Bible word for it is repent. You just bring it to God. Just put it in his hands. And let him give you covering in return. God, I've been running to this thing. I don't know how I'm going to get away from it. I feel really naked. I feel really exposed, but I trust you because I believe that maybe you're better than I think. Just come to him and respond with your fig leaves. Maybe you need to know that God's pursuing you. Maybe you've been running and you need to just stop and let him catch you this morning. You've been running and hiding behind some things. You just need to say, God, I'm done. You're tired anyways. You're tired. You know you are. Just stop. He's pursuing you. You may just need to realize you're loved. There might be some things in your life, some ways that you treat yourself, some ways that you treat other people that really when it gets down to it, it's because there's no way anybody can love you. There's no way God could love you. He's mad at me anyways. I might as well just keep going. But what if He loves you? What if He loves you? So we're going to have a uh, groups of people are standing right over here who want to pray with you, if you want to respond I just encourage you to walk over there and let somebody pray with you, not because they're perfect heck, they probably got the same issues you do, but they want to pray with you, we need friends in this life we need friends to walk with us so I want you to go have somebody pray with you you don't have to have the answers and they're not going to talk your ear off, we're just going to come to Jesus because he's a big deal and he's good You may need to give your life to Jesus this morning. You may realize I've been living my life on fig trees and hiding behind trees and running away, and I just, I need to give in. I need to just let Jesus have me. That might be you this morning. And today's the best day in your whole life to make that decision. Don't feel like you have to have all the answers. I don't. But we can know Jesus. He wants to cover you in his perfect blood. He's pursued you. His love and he died for you and he rose again not just to give you a new destination when you die that is a huge deal and you got to settle that one but there's also an invitation to life in front of you today if you want to follow Jesus today's a great day to start just start it's a journey we're all on I want to encourage you to start Would you bow your heads and pray with me this morning if that's you this morning if you want to make a decision to follow Jesus I want to just invite you right now raise your hand is it an act of saying, yes, God, I'm in. Nobody's looking around at you. So why don't you go ahead and raise your hand now. If you want to make a decision today to follow Jesus, thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. And if that's you, uh, as, as other people are going over for prayer this morning, I'm not going to lead you in a prayer right now, but I want you to go talk to somebody over on the side, and they can explain what it looks like to follow Jesus. So go ahead and just put your hand down and go ahead on over. And if you want to respond, if you've got a fig leaf, if you've got a tree, go ahead and just start walking over as I pray, and let's worship together. Jesus, we love you. I thank you that you are good. Thank you that you are good. Lord, I pray that we would all know that we are covered this morning, that we are pursued this morning, that we are loved this morning. I pray that you would move in the power of the Holy Spirit. As we sing this song, God, I pray for all of us, no matter where you're at on our good scale, I pray that you would blow us away with how good of a father you are. So would you come and move, Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name, amen.